we've been looking at our destiny, our course. We've been talking about a whole lot of things. And uh, so um, we want, uh, just believe God to finish up strong. And then I'll just, I think, uh, starting next week, uh, we're going to do something that I don't think I've ever done uh, in 30 years of pastoring. Um, I may have done it once, but I'm not remembering for, for real. Um, we're going to start, we're going to do an in-depth, in-depth study of the book of Ephesians. So we're going to start that next week. So hallelujah, unless something happens between now and then. Um, so let's look, uh, we're going to uh, talk tonight about finishing up and how do we finish up our course? How do we get there? Uh, what does the Lord need for, for us to do? You know, uh, we looked last week at putting on our clothes. We looked at the armor of God. We talked about uh, running our race and being properly equipped. And so what's important to know is, um, then how do I run? You know, when you look on the, when you uh, run a race in the natural, you've got to look ahead of you on the course. In other words, uh, you got to look for what everybody else is doing. you got to see if there's any obstacles. You know, it reminds me of running cross-country, which I never did. Um, but I know people who did. And in cross-country, that means you're running through the country. You're running through things. And, um, you know, uh, if you're, you're running through a golf course. You're running through this. You're running through the woods. You're running over a creek. Uh, you're jumping over a log. Um, and so that's the kind of race that more describes um, our race with God, our, our destiny with the Lord, is there are obstacles. Um, the enemy loves to put up obstacles. And so what we would think we would do is we'd have to keep our eyes fixed on everything around us so that we don't um, trip. And that would be the natural way of thinking of some things. And so tonight, um, I want to remind you of these things. I've ministered these things to you before, but I want to remind you uh, once more. So let's look at Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with such a great cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and we looked at those. And let us run with patience, and we looked at patience. The race that is set before us, we looked at the, you have a set course. Uh, when you are in your mother's womb, before you did anything right, before you did anything wrong, God called you. He chose you to do something, and your life is really not your decision. It's your discovery, and then you have to decide you're going to obey God. And that includes everything you do in your life, whether it's, um, you know, most people are not called to the fivefold ministry. Most people are not apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. That's a small segment of the body of Christ, yet each and every one of you are going to have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And y'all, eternity is a really, 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 really long time. It's kind of forever. And so what you do with your 80 to 120 years, whatever you decide, down here on the earth, is what your eternity looks like. Um, I know everybody thinks the goal is heaven, but you're already saved. So you've already, you're done with that. Are you born again? I said, are you born again? Are you, are you going to stay born again? <laughs> Where else would you go? It'd be stupid to reject Jesus, right? He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life, right? And so our goal is not to get to heaven. Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You are going. But your destination that you should be most concerned about is the judgment seat of Christ. And how do you get the crowns? Well, you've got to do something. Now, I'm talking to the core around Cornerstone Word of Life Church. I know every one of you are heavily involved in helps ministry here. I know you're all doing something for the Lord. So this is not going to bother you one little bit. You're all busy. You're all serving the Lord. If the trumpets sound, you'll be all right. Let's go to the judgment seat. Let's go. Right? 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 Some of you ain't so sure. Well, what do you mean? I mean, what are you doing? Are you obeying him? Um, Every part of your life is his. The Bible says you've been bought with a price. He even said glorify God in your body. Your body's not even yours anymore. 
Well, it's, you know, what's the mantra these days? It's my body. I'll do what I want to. Well, that's the mantra of someone who is not born again. And so we can't control that. And you know what? They're right. It is their body. But once you get born again, it's no longer yours. Praise the Lord. Oh, we're already on a sidetrack. It's no longer yours. So anything you do to your body, you ought to ask the owner. Is it all right what I do with my right arm? And if he's okay with it, then go for it. Is it okay what I put in your temple? All right. But everything is yours, so your whole life is his. Your, everything is not yours. Everything is his. Your body is not your own. You belong to the Lord. And so everything we do, we need to do it where? Unto the Lord. Right? And so your career, do it unto the Lord. Your current job, do it unto the Lord. Everything you do, do unto the Lord. Because it's part of your life. We said, Pastor Ron and I say it this way, you don't have a, sec, a secular life and a sacred life. In other words, you don't have a, a life sacred on Sunday morning from 9 you know, to 10.30 or 11 to 12.30 and Wednesday night from 7 to 8.30. That's my life with God. No, your whole life is supposed to be with God. My whole life belongs to God. I don't, I don't take a vacation from God on vacation. Well, I'll repent when I get home. No. He understands. He understands that you have a body and you got to keep it under even on vacation. Are you with me? What, what am I saying? Well, Everything we do here on the earth, we should be doing it unto the Lord so that when we stand at the judgment seat of Christ, we hear well done. And that includes how you, what you do, your service to the Lord. Uh, your, uh, you know, everybody, I believe, this is all right for just a minute. I'm going I'm to move on. Everybody is, should be doing something in helps ministry. You should be doing something in the church. You should be doing something to serve people. Jesus gave us this example. Uh, you know, uh, he said, I didn't come to be served. He said, I came to serve. And remember, Peter's like, Jesus is going to wash Peter's feet. And Peter said, uh-uh. You can't wash my feet because why? Washing feet, serving somebody was for slaves, was for the low people because they used to always, you know, even if they had sandals on, uh, they're walking through some stuff. They're walking through animals left behinds. Feet were nasty. And in some cultures today, feet are still nasty. And so, so uh, someone, when you went into someone's house, somebody who was of low stature Washed your feet so you could come in. And that's why Peter's like, you're not washing my feet. But Jesus said, what? If I don't wash your feet, then you don't have any part of me. In other words, I think what he's saying, if you won't let me serve you or if you don't take on the attitude of a servant, you're not a part of the body. The body serves. Do you know uh, you have two lungs? Do both of them serve your body? Two legs. What are they doing? They serve you. And so we, with our body, we do what? We serve the Lord. And so everything we do. So, so what do you ask the Lord? Well, am I doing what you ask me to do? And I think that's a question he'll answer just like lickety split. And you know what? You find out what you're supposed to do. You can't compare your life with mine. I can't compare mine with yours. But there is something that you and I are all called to do. And the, the, the place you're going to be most content is doing what God asks you to do. Everybody just say, remember what, what uh, Mama Mary said to the future apostles? She said, whatever he says, there, there's just that in the whole life. What Pastor Belinda was talking about, about offerings and being led in your life. You want miracles to pop in your life? Then everything he says to you, do it, even if you find it not related. I said, even if you find it not related. Even if you find it not related. In other words, he wants you to do something. He wants you to get involved somewhere. He wants you, uh, you know, uh, your neighbor that you've been looking at for five years that you don't know their first name. And he wants you to go over and say hello and get, a, get, a, get to know them and so that you can minister to them. 
Well, what do you do? You just, and you know it's the Lord because you don't feel like it. I don't need more friends. I'm fine. You know, I, I don't need to know them. They don't need to know me. I don't want them knowing my business. But if the Lord's dealing with you to do that, I'm, t- I'm trying to help somebody in the room. How do you get to well done, good and faithful servant? It's not necessarily running around the room here. It's not necessarily rolling in the floor here. It, all those things are fun and wonderful. It's not taking good notes and, and, and oh, that's great. That's good. But what do I got to do? I got to obey God and I got to be a part of and serve where he tells me to serve and do what he tells me to do. So I'm not straying from my subject because I said we're going to run with patience the race that is set before us. You've got to ask the Lord all the time, what does he want me to do? Well, he hasn't told me anything to do. Well, if you don't have anything to do, uh, we can help you find something to do. I just don't feel led. You are not a pencil. (laughs) You're not... I guarantee you, if you don't do anything, that you're not going to be able to hear, well done. Amen. Amen. Oh, I said this to somebody, and I have to watch because it's up. But y'all, we're, everybody say, just do it. Thank you, Lord. Looking unto Jesus. Everybody say, looking. So, in the natural, in the earth, if you're running a race, a cross-country race, any kind of race, you're going to have to have your eyes on the next step. You don't see many runners running like this, side to side, or looking up, or looking at a bird in a tree. Why? Because they're liable to be all skinned up on their you know, knees because they're about to be on their, they're going to face plant. Because you've got to see where you're going. Are you with me? you got to see where you're going. But it's not so with your spiritual race. It is exactly opposite. And the reason that so many people stumble and the reason that we don't get where we need to get is because all we look at is what's around us. We're so moved by what we see, by what we feel. By what we taste, what we touch, the five senses control us. And it's not to be so. If In the natural, yes. But if you're going to run your race with God, you're going to have to looking unto Jesus. So we're going to learn how to run tonight with our eyes up. Everybody say running with my eyes up. What does that mean? Well, it means spiritually speaking, you're going to have to look to Jesus, and he is the author, he's the beginner, and he is the finisher. How many know he's the first and he's the last? Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher. And what did Philippians say? Paul said this, he who began a good work in you will bring it to the day of completion. In Christ Jesus, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your mind. So I want you to turn with me to John's gospel. Everybody know John 3.16? Are you grateful for John 3.16? Well, we're going to back up just a little bit. We're going to back the truck up. And we're going to look at this at John 3.14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, and whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. In verse 14, Jesus is talking to them, and he is going to liken himself to a serpent on a pole. What? Jesus, a serpent on a pole? I didn't say it. He said it. I didn't say it. He said it. So where is he like it? He said exactly. So what does he want us to do? He wants us to go back and look at the account. He knew it would be written down, and he just was very specific. Jesus said, yes, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's me, but I want you to understand who I am and what I'm doing here. And we can, and so really what he's saying to us is you can learn a lot. You can understand a lot about how you're going to, uh, in our case, finish our course or really receive from the Lord. 
And he said, it's like when Moses lifted up the serpent on the pole. So you all know that's in Numbers chapter 21. And so that's where we're going to go. Numbers chapter 21. Because Jesus told us to. Basically he's saying, I'm like, I'm like Moses uh, put the serpent on the pole. So he wants us to go back and look at what happened. Now, just to get a reference, um, them people, them Israelites, they're at it again. And um, this time they spoke against God and against the leader, Moses. And they were saying, you brought us into Egypt to kill us all. And they were mad. And then understand that King James, um, it says, the Lord sent fiery serpents. But listen to me, God has never changed. And James says this, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of light with whom there is no variableness, no shadow of turning. And we know that God is always good. So why did the fiery serpents come in? You can say aloud, whatever you want, but this is the deal I know. Jesus made it very clear. Uh, Even in the old covenant, I'm telling you that God is always good. Sin requires judgment, and because of their sin, because of what they were doing, it opened the door, and really what it did was it removed. The fiery serpents were there all the time. The fiery serpents were there all the time. You know, it's a miracle, y'all. If you just think about it, people get all upset about everything, but it's a miracle. You walk outside. I mean, every day you get up, you could die a thousand different ways. I'm not trying to be negative. You could. You could just die a thousand different ways. The Lord keeps us. The Lord protects us. His mercies, they fail not. His mercies are new every morning. I, you need to thank God you can breathe in and out. Well, well I got a little problem. Well, thank God you can breathe um, better than, than some. I mean, you got a, a right leg that's hurting a little bit. Thank God I got a good left one. And this right one is healed in Jesus' name. We need to be grateful. We need to be grateful. The world is so ungrateful. And we as believers, not, we can't let that sink in. And so, I mean, God delivered them with silver and gold. There was none sick or feeble among them. They went across in an aquarium on either side. I mean, I'm telling you how cool is that? They had silver and gold, and I mean, they were no longer slaves, and it didn't go their way for a little bit, and suddenly it's all God's fault. My, my spiritual father wrote a book, and if you've never read it, it's just a little mini book. It's called Don't Blame God. And I know this is Wednesday night, and I don't know, I know we don't got any God blamers in the room. But that's the wrong place to look for blame. He has never disappointed you. Yes, he has. No, he has not. Because the Bible says he can't. Yeah, but he did. No, he didn't. You're, you're misunderstood. You, you misunderstand. No, he messed me over. He didn't do what he said he was going to do. You're lying. It's impossible. This world is held together by the words of God. They fail not. Heaven and earth will pass away. His word will never pass away. Why as human beings, our first thought is, let's blame God. Who's perfect. Because then on the same other side of their mouth, they'll say, yet he's perfect. But Jesus said, the devil's the one who steals, kills, and destroys. Are you understanding what I'm saying? So let's let's get into this. All right. So they messed up again. The fiery serpents, I believe, they seem to be there all the time. God was protecting them. The hedge left. Keep your hedges. Don't blame God. Don't blame God. Don't, if you ever did, ask him to forgive you. Say, Lord, be, be, be smart. Lord, I don't understand. Even if you feel it, I understand it's not your fault. Your head may say it and people around you say, God let you down. He never let you down. He won't let you down. Well, I tried to believe and my faith failed. Well, that's it. You tried. You don't try. You do. All right. <laughs> Y'all good? You good? Do I need to hold Pastor Rhonda's hand? She need to help me out? The Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. It's an unfortunate thing. Therefore, the people came to Moses. Why? Because they're in trouble, 
and he represents God to them, and they said this, we have sinned, you think? For we have spoken against the Lord, uh-oh, and against you. Pray. Pray. They know where their help comes from. Pray. And what did Moses do? No, you talked bad about me and about my God, so you can all just die. That's not what he did. What did he do? This is really a form of intercession because they're in sin. And they said, Lord, pray to the Lord that he would take these serpents away from us. And Moses prayed for the people. This is not where I want to get to, but we're gonna, we just might as well can't, we might as well have fun on the journey. And the Lord said to Moses, May, so the, he prayed, and the Lord gave him what to do. Anytime you pray, you're going to get a response from God, and he's going to tell you something to do. Everybody say, to do. What? Faith without corresponding actions is what? It's what? Dead. So it's, it's not, thank God for confession of the word. Thank God for hearing the word and getting faith. Thank God for releasing faith, but there is going to be a corresponding action. There's something you're going to do. There's a God's side. There's your side. It takes both sides to get the answer. And, and he, said, uh, he said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to make a fiery serpent. And Jesus said he was like that fiery serpent. Okay, so this is, this is a type and a shadow. Set it on a pole. Now, you know, we said this before. There were no Walmarts back then. There were no fiery serpents in packages. This thing had to be made, and people are still dying. So this was a process. And he said, put it up on the pole, and everyone that is bitten, when he looks on it. So let's look at that in um, the Amplified Classic. Numbers 21.9 in the Amplified Classic. If you could put that up for me. And Moses made a serpent of bronze and put it on a pole. What does the pole represent? It represents the cross. And if a serpent had bitten any man, when he looked at the serpent of bronze, but he looked attentively, everybody say attentive, expectant, with a steady, absorbing gaze. So, so the, the serpent, people don't like this, but Jesus said this, not me, not you, Jesus. He said, I'm like the serpent on the pole. So when Jesus was on the cross, what did he do? He took all your sin. He who knew no sin became sin. He took all sickness and disease. He took all, everything the serpent was lording over us. Everything the serpent had, Jesus became so you and I don't got to have it. Amen. Now, that's not my subject tonight, but just somebody needs a little drive through. Listen to me. Jesus took it all so you could be free from it all. I said, Jesus took it all so you could be free from it all. Amen. But what we're supposed to get out, what I need you to get out of this for running our race, if we're going to run with our eyes up, what kind of gaze do we have to have? The Amplified says it attentively, expectantly, and steady, and absorbing. So it means to me that if I'm going to run my race looking unto Jesus, I've got to every day be very attentive to keep my eyes on him. Okay, how do I, every day I've got to be, have an expectant, that's faith, expectant gaze of him. I, it's got to be steady. In other words, I can't take my eyes off of him. I like what Pastor Rhonda said one time. I heard her preach this, and so I, I don't usually give her credit because I just took it and started using it. But it, it's, it's like this. If you're in the middle of a crisis and you're, Whoever you are, you're, you're, if, if people around you are screaming and dying, falling dead, being bitten by a snake, your natural tendency is to do what? Turn your eyes off of them and try to help them. In this case, you die if you do that. You die. How hard is it? With everybody screaming around you in 2022, 2023, 2024, 25, everybody's in a commotion about something. Everybody's undone about something. And they're all screaming, and they all want your attention, and you've got to talk with them and answer them, and you've got to agree with them. And if you don't, you're this or you're that. They're all, it's the same thing. They're screaming, and there's things going on. In this case, though, people are dying. And what's the answer? 
You can't take your eyes off of the serpent on the pole. If you do, you die. So what you got to do? Y'all need to hush up <laughs> and you need to look with me. If you've been bitten, the only cure is to look at the serpent. And that's what Jesus is saying. If you want to finish your course, the only way to do it is a continual steady, fast, steadfast gaze of me continually all the time. Why? Those times that you and I, I said you and I, what, there's so many temptation to take our eyes off of him. Daily. And he gets it. There's nothing you're going through that he himself wasn't tempted with. I can't figure that one out with my brain. I don't even want to figure that one out with my brain. But it's true. Everything. And everything means everything. He was tempted with it all. Wow. And yet, he never sinned. Pure, spotless lamb. And his cure for us to receive anything from him, but really when it comes to have looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, is how do you do that? Well, in the realm of the spirit, it's like you've got to look up. Why? Well, Colossians, do you want to finish that out? Uh, he looked about, he shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass, verse 9, put it on a pole, and it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent on the brass, he lived. You know, so th I know they're not just all standing there all the time every day looking at that. But if they got bit, that was the cure. But if one person got bit, if mama got bit, it's a good chance that the babies got bit. Daddy got bit. Grandma got bit. And so if they're all just screaming, you've got you to gotta take them. And you know what? If we want to finish our course and we want everybody to finish, we're just going to have to get to the place of, look, y'all, you can fuss about whatever you want to fuss about. You can complain about what you ever want to complain about. That can be your focus in life. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord and we're going to look to Jesus, the author and finisher of faith. If you want to hang with us, we're going to be looking at Jesus. And it will do you a whole lot of good. Are you understanding? And so, where is Jesus? Well, we know he's been raised from the dead. I know he lives in your heart. But what is Colossians 3, chapter 1 and 2? It says, if you be risen with Christ. Do I got any people who have been raised from the dead in this room? <laughs> Ephesians 2, 6 says, you've been raised together with him. So when Jesus was raised from the dead, when you believed that he was raised from the dead, it was as you touched that, and then you were raised from the dead with him. It says, if you be risen with Christ, seek. Seek those things which are above where Christ sits at the right hand of the Father. So we know that we're seated in heavenly places far above every principality, power, might, and dominion, every name that's given a name. We are seated in, I, I, listen, this is real important. I'm not just seated in heavenly places. I'm seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Don't forget the in Christ Jesus. You're, you're not qualified to sit there really on your own. You're in him and he's in you. But you are in him and you are above. And so what are we supposed to do? Uh, we're supposed to seek those things which are above. Set your affections on things above, not on the earth. So, when I, so how do I set my affection on the Lord? How do I set my affection on him? How do I look to Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith? Well, you would know the answer if you thought about it. And if I gave you a minute, you would probably all get it. But how many of you know it's the word of God? Right? Jesus is the word made flesh and dwelt among us. So the highest and best way to look to Jesus is in everything in my life, I look to the word. If I want to finish my course, I have to be a man of the word of God. Not a preacher of the word of God, I, I, a man of the word of God. You have to be a man or a woman uh, of the word of God. In other words, the word of God is your, uh, um, it, it, it's how you live. It's not just something you hear on a Sunday or Wednesday. It's something you think about every day, all day long. What does the Word say? What does the Word say? In other words, you can say, what does Jesus say? What did Jesus say about it? What does the Word say? Well, Jesus didn't say but He is the Word. He's the Word made flesh. There was three in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. Jesus is the Word. 
And so that word became flesh, and that word died on the cross. Jesus died on the cross for your shame. And yet, and that word was raised up from the dead, and that word is seated at the right hand of the Father. Your attention has to be on what is the word, the written word, the logos say, and what am I supposed to do with it? Everything in my life, I run by him. How do I run my race? Everything I do, I'm not a hearer only, but I'm a doer thereof. And everything I do in my life, if I want to finish my course, I am, uh, uh, I'm setting my affections on things above. I set my affections on things above. And you know what that means? I set my heart. I set my life. I, I, I'm looking to him. I, I set my affections on him. I want what he wants for me, knowing that what he wants for me is always best. Even if it doesn't look like it. Has it ever not looked like it? <laughs> How many of you know he's right? He's smarter than we are. He knows the future. I'm grateful I can barely remember the past. He knows everything. How are we going to finish our course? Look into Jesus. Setting our affections on things above. Looking at him, running with our eyes up. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. While we look not at the things which are seen. Again, when you're running a race, it is appropriate. If, listen to me. If you ever strap on some tennis shoes and, and start running around, you ought to look around you. Please. But in the realm of the Spirit, in the realm of the Spirit, if you're going to finish your course, you can no longer look at those things that you see. You have to, while we look at things which are seen, we, we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. Why? Because everything that's here is just temporary. All the governments, temporary. Your job, permanent. It's permanent. It's temporary. What? Everything's temporary. Everything's temporal. What does that mean? It will pass away. But the word never passes away. I'm making you all be a little spiritual tonight. I get it. But if you're going to finish your course, if I'm going to finish my course, there's so much in this world. And it's so easy, especially these days, for the devil to pull you off course. You being here on Wednesday night, you're telling me, I want to finish. Amen? I know the Sunday morning people want to finish too, but you're here, all right? But all the things, we, what are we supposed to be? We're looking at things which are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporary. But the things which we can't see, they're eternal. So we're supposed to be focusing, if we're going to finish our course, on things that cannot be seen with the natural eye. We're going to see the things. How do you see those things? Well, you see them by faith. You, the Holy Ghost leads you. He guides you. What is that? Those are eternal things when the Holy Spirit speaks to you. Where the Holy Spirit guides you. When you do the word of God, that's an eternal thing. So, Hebrews eleven twenty seven. I like this. This is our friend Moses. Y'all know his story, right? Let's, let's pick up his story just a little bit. Verse 23 of Hebrews 11. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid for three months of his parents because they saw that he was a proper child. They saw something on him, and they were afraid of the king's commandment. And so you all know what happened, right? Uh, the Pharaoh's daughter said, look at that cute little baby. And then there was a woman right there, and she's like, um, you come help me. Who was that? That was his mom. That was his mom. Right? And so we see this. We see that um, 
he was hid, and then, you know, uh, he grew up in Pharaoh's home with all the everything that was available to him. I mean, he was wealthy. He was well-fed. He was a grandson, treated like a grandson. So verse 24, by faith, when Moses was come to years, now he's an adult, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer the affliction with, uh, with the people of God than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. So what's he looking at? He's beginning to see. You remember earlier, it goes on, but you remember earlier how he got a little ahead of God. And he was always called to be a deliverer. And he decided he was going to deliver early. And he ended up murdering somebody. And then the people he was trying to deliver didn't see him as a deliverer, just a killer, just a murderer. And remember, it sent him to the backside of the desert. So there was something in him that says you're a deliverer, yet he tried to deliver in the flesh instead of by the hand of God. And so, but he came to a place, he's like, I know who I am. Not only am I not Egyptian, I am an Israelite, uh, and they're my people, you're not my people. And so he willingly had to give up, was giving up luxury and position and everything because that sin is and that pleasure is temporary, but the plans of God are eternal. So he was choosing the eternal over the temporary. And, you know, and so then it talks about uh, by faith he kept the Passover. Uh, but let's look, at, let's look at verse 27. So we'll skip back. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing. How did he do it? How, how, come on, he's the Pharaoh. Even if you are his grandson adopted, he, he can strike you down in a minute. And he didn't fear the wrath of the king. How did he get through it? He saw somebody that was invisible. I would love to know how that all worked. But I know he was seen into the realm of spirit. He was seen by faith. He realized he was, he, even though he messed up, he was a deliverer. He had something to do for God, had something to do with his people. Um, he gave up all the... The, the cush and the, the free, the good food and the servants and the nice clothes and the cool sandal, you know, everything that went with it. Everything that went with it. And that's why he was so surprised when he said, here, I'm here, the, your deliverer is here. And they rejected him that he had to run away. Because I think he was so secure in his heart of who he was. He just got the timing off. Aren't you glad God's merciful and kind? He let him go hang out on the backside of the desert for a while till he got it together. Till he got it together. Till he got it together. Till he got it. It took him a while to get it together. He's probably disappointed and bad. Anyway, how'd he get through? He saw someone as invisible. He saw the Lord. So how do we do that? Let's just real quick. What are we supposed to do? You all know these, and so I just want to Go through them real quick. Keep doing these things. Matthew 6.33 says, seek first. Seek first. Put Jesus first. Everybody say, Jesus number one. Jesus. Seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all these things will be. Seek first. Jeremiah 29.11-13. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. To give you an expected end. Then you shall call on me, and you'll go and pray unto me, and I will hearken you, and you'll seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. That's part of running with your eyes up. It's when you search for God with your eyes up, where is God? You know, I, I, I say this all the time, but, and, but there, back in the day, I don't know how many years ago it was, maybe 20 years ago, there was this famous thing going around the body of Christ is basically God was playing hide and seek and you had to go find him. And even back then I thought it was silly, but he sold a lot of books. And a lot of people really liked it, but I thought it was silly because God's always in the same place. He's never hiding from anybody. He's not hiding from you. He's not hiding. You're not on a chase. Knock, the door's open. Seek, you find. Seek, you do what? Find. 
And so how do we run with our eyes on Jesus? We're seeking him. We're setting our affections on him. We're looking to him. We're looking to the word. Every decision I make, I'm look. What is what? You know, people. What is that famous little bracelet everybody wore? What would Jesus do? Well, it's really better would say, "What did Jesus did?" Um, but I understand what they're saying. Everything I do in my life, what would the Lord want me to do? And if you run it like through that, then that's good. What would the Lord want me to do in this situation? Because there is an answer. And that kind of answer is running with your eyes up, seeing, running everything through the Lord. Um, we're supposed to seek God's face continually. We're supposed to look to him. We're supposed to, uh, everything we do is about seek, is putting him first. And so it just, you know, uh, Jesus likening himself to the serpent on the pole. If I could leave you with anything about how to finish your course, it's every day. It's a steadfast gaze. And surrounding yourself with people who will not let you off the hook and help pull you in to look with me. You know, the Bible says bad company corrupts good morals. And on the reverse, then good company will keep you where you need to be. Come on, everybody needs four crazy friends. Right? Everybody needs somebody. Everybody needs to be accountable. Everybody needs to have someone that's like, uh, you don't, that, that doesn't look like looking to Jesus to me. Come on, let's look to Jesus. Come on, get, let's get our eyes on him. Let's focus on him. Amen. And I believe when we look to him, when we look to the author and the finisher of our faith, he began a good work in you. He put something in you in your mother's womb. I know I keep saying this, but it's not nothing you deserved. You didn't do anything. He just decided to give you a good life, a great life. And it's your decide, you're, you should decide, I'm going to do whatever he set for me to do. And that's going to be your happy place. That's going to be your fulfilled place. That's going to be your blessed place. Amen. The Lord will send you. Uh, if you're running with your eyes on him, obeying him, it doesn't matter what's going on all around you. He can do supernatural, wonderful things to bless you. Hallelujah. But you got to be there. This is not in my notes, and it keeps turning around, so we'll see how we work it around to where I can get it there. But you remember Elijah, he had just, I think, didn't he just hack off that, that queen lady? Jezebel, wasn't that her name? And she's going to kill him, right? So he obeyed God, and then Jezebel's loud, and she's going to kill him. And so, remember, he's, he's, first of all, I'm the only one left. And the Lord's like, you ain't the only one left. Uh, you know, we're never the only one. If you think you're the only one going through something, though James even said that these, these things are common in the brethren. Everybody goes through stuff. Because one of the things the devil can do, if he can, he, if he can tell you you're special and that nobody else has ever faced these problems, then he can keep you in those problems. But don't get mad at me. You're not that special. The Lord can fix your problems. He already has. That's what I mean. Listen, maybe if, if someone pulls that out, they're going to, you are all special to the Lord. What I'm saying is the devil will convince you you're special. you got a special set of problems that nobody else has ever encountered. And that is the devil trying to keep you isolated, keep you off to yourself. Right? And so that's kind of where Elijah was. There's nobody else. Just me. And the Lord said, I got 7,000. That's a big number who have never bowed their knee to Baal. What you talking about, boy? You, chill. So then he sent him to the brook called Cherith. Do you remember that? What was at the brook? Well, there was ravens that brought him two hot meals a day. Ooh, my favorite. Steak. And bread, hallelujah. Bread from Logan's and steak from Big Mike's, hallelujah. If you've never been to Big Mike's, you should go. That's down on the coast. Anyway, um, but uh, every day, twice a day, my big brother in the faith, Mark Brzee, said he had to get those from the king's table because the Lord only gives you the best and the king had the best, so he probably stole them. I hope he was wearing those blue gloves as they, as they swooped down and got them and delivered them. But anyway, twice a day. Where did the ravens come? Where did the ravens come? 
What, what, what's the specific name of the place where the ravens came? The brook called, were they going anywhere else? If Paul had decided, I'm, I'm talking about your course. If Paul had decided, I don't like that brook. I've already got a little cabin over here at the brook called Tennessee. I don't know. The, I, I, I got me something over here. Why can't, I'm just going to go there. Lord, bless me there. Lord, bless me there. You said whatever I put my hand to. You bless me. Bless me there. I'm going there. I think it's a better idea. Well, every day there would be steak. I don't know who would have ate that steak and the bread. But every day, because the Lord said he would deliver it there, it was coming there. And it would have still been there. Because the Lord said it would be there. So where did, where, where did Elijah have to be? Well, I'm talking about running your race with your eyes up. So he had to run, even, the Lord is so kind. He's feeling sorry for himself and he wants to die. And the Lord's like, all right, look here, young man. Let's go over here. I'm going to take care, let's take a rest. Some steak coming medium rare, seasoned just right. With some good fluffy buns, just sit, eat, chill out, relax. I'm going to take care of you there. How did he get there? Because really, he's old covenant, but same thing, he was looking to God. That's all I'm talking about. Look at what, being led, being at the right place, doing the right thing. What Pastor Belinda was talking about, it all goes together. The Lord's trying to tell somebody something. Be where he tells you to be. You know, in the realm of the spirit, we tell people, uh, you know, you can choose any church you want to, but you should choose the one that God has for you because that's where your mail comes. You know, remember back in the old day when those computers, it would tell you you got mail. I'm glad it doesn't do that anymore. But your mail comes to where God has assigned you to be. The, the, the meat, I'm, I know I'm belaboring it. Somebody's going to get this in just a second, and then we'll move on. He's smarter than you. He told you what to do. you got, you got to do it. Because that's where your, not just provision, that's where your peace is. That's, everything is there. Well, I can't figure it out. Quit trying. Just obey. Well, I don't know if it's the Lord. Really? You're going to try that one on me? You know his voice. The voice of a stranger you will not follow. You are his sheep. You're sons and daughters of God. You know how to be led. That, that's, a, that's religion, the devil, the world trying to talk you out of. You don't know his voice. The only time we seem like we don't know his voice is when he asks us to do something we don't want to do. Well, is that really the Lord? Is that really the Lord? Let's check that out. Let's fast and pray over that. No, you know his voice. And sometimes with things of God, they're split-second split second decisions. you got to know his voice. you got to know his voice. Aren't you glad you know his voice? Everybody say, I know his voice. So then what happened? There can be seasons. Because then the brook began to dry up. I'm talking about looking to God. I'm talking about for us to be looking to Jesus, looking to the realm of the Spirit. This, this, this makes no sense. This, this man who serves God... He sends him to a city with a bunch of heathens. Zarephath, send him, and he's going to send him to a widow's house. Now, I tell you this all the time, and maybe you're new and you never heard me say this, but the rest of you, I mean, honestly, you know, we don't check our brain when we're walking with God, but sometimes there's a fight there. Because I'll be real honest to you. If the Lord said to me, I have arranged a widow woman to take care of you in the middle of a drought. I'm looking at the obituaries of the rich lady that her husband just passed. And I'm going to say, hey, my name is, and the Lord said you're going to take care of me. Well, you think about that. But that's not what happened at all. It didn't make sense that this woman would have plenty. And that's what we do. We try to out-reason God. Try to outreason God. This is the way I think he's going to do it. He didn't ask you to think about how he was going to do it. 
You just obey. You know the account. I'm not going to go through a lot of it. But he ran into this widow woman. I don't know how he knew it was her. She was making some food. Maybe he was really hungry. He said, hey, make me some food. And she looked at him, probably with a little bit of disgust. So what I'm about to do is make a cake for me and my son. We're going to eat it. We're going to die. And then the preacher said, make me one first. Well, this woman had to make a choice. And she must have had some kind of witness. Some, if no, she's old. You know, I don't even, she's not in covenant even. God is merciful and kind. And she decided to do it. Same thing, what Pastor Belinda was talking about. The, 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 they always had food. Then that, her son died, and he got brought back to life. Run in your course. Say, so, well, man, maybe that's why my life, I've got so many you know, things that didn't work out right. Well, forget about the past. Remember that's one of the things we talked about? Forgetting those things that lie behind. You can't do anything about it. Just let it go. And decide, I want to do it. I'm going to do what God says. I want to do what God says. Listen to me. You know if it's God or you don't. And if you don't, you just keep lifting it back up to the Lord. You know, I believe the Bible Proverbs says there's wisdom. I'm trying to help somebody if it's just one person in the room. The Bible says there's wisdom in the counsel of many. And a lot of times, though, we take that and we're like, we're going to ask everybody their opinion. What you think I ought to do. What you think I ought to do. Even if they're believers, what you think I got to do. And so you got six opinions, or at least just say your four crazy friends. Thank God for your four crazy friends, but you got four different opinions. Who's right? And then you got some strong friends, man. They're going to tell you what to do. And they might even throw a, thus says the Lord on it. I feel I was praying, and this, but you better know that's God. But the deal is this the wisdom you need comes from above. And if you'll just ask him, he'll tell you what to do. He'll tell you what to do. He'll tell you what to do. He will tell you what to do. And, um, well, Pastor Mark, I made mistakes. I thought it was God, and it didn't work out right. Well, you know, yeah, guilty is charged. But what do you keep doing? You, you gotta know, you gotta get strong and I know his voice. The voice of a stranger I will not follow. And and there's nothing wrong with waiting. Sometimes there is split-second decisions, but the, most of the time it's not like that. And you know what? What I was gonna tell you, <clears throat> and it keep, came back up, thank you, is that um if you get something and you're not sure, and after you've asked six people, then you realize you shouldn't have because they gave you six different things. You take it and you throw that back up to heaven. And you say, Lord, this is what I heard. And then now I'm confused. So I'm going to send it back up. And what you do when you send it back up, he's going to clean it off, get everybody's opinion off, and then he's going to push it back right down to you. And then when you do that, it, it should, it, when you hear from God, it's like a, it's a rhema and you'll know what to do. You'll know what to do. You'll know what to do. And on God's end, he doesn't fail and he's not going to let you down. Hallelujah. Glory to God.